Anybody got the victory in here today? Amen. I think we all do. And uh, <clears throat> going to preach today about being the light or uh, the light of a lot. The Bible has a you know the Bible has a lot to say about light, doesn't it? It's one of the first things God spoke when He created the heavens and the earth. He said, "Let there be light," and uh, so we have a God. The Bible says that with God is only light, and there is no darkness at all. Amen? And so uh, we need to live in the light of the Word. We need to live in the light of His love. We need to live in the light of His faith and grace. Amen? I've talked to people before that maybe just uh, they're in a new season of grief or something, maybe some loved one just passed away or something happened that's grievous to them and they say, I feel so much darkness. I've heard even Christians say, it feels very dark to me or I'm in a very dark place. Oftentimes a person who has depression or um, some oppression in their life or fear, they'll say, I feel that things are very dark uh, and um that's because of who's leading the darkness. The devil is leading the darkness. It's interesting to me that in some of these riots and civil unrest that we're seeing about in the news, that most of the the worst of it is done at night. They say after midnight everything descends into a living hell in some of these inner cities. And uh so that's interesting, isn't it, that the the, the doers of dastardly deeds come out at night very late. And so uh, for the Christian, you know, we're not afraid of the dark or afraid of the night or whatever, but uh, it seems that the devil operates and does his best things at night. How many know that sometimes if you have a negative thought or a fearful thought or the devil speaking to you or some evil spirit about what's going to happen to you badly, uh, it's usually in the night that he speaks. It's usually in the dark. It's usually when you're alone, as we say, with your thoughts. And you don't want to, uh, you know, even if you're married, you don't want to w- wake your spouse or whatever. And you're just laying there and you're thinking of the devil will bring up what could go wrong and how it's going to crash and burn and everything go to hell in a handbasket. You know, that's absolutely all. That's all he knows how to do is to present negative things that haven't even happened uh but he's trying to get us to believe but his operations are always in dark in in encased and cloaked in darkness and everything god does is out bright in the light of day amen there's no that's why this thing of well you never know what god's going to do you know he's just real secretive and sneaky no that's the devil god has revealed to us His glory. He has revealed to us His light. He has revealed to us His truth. Amen. We can read with open face and broad daylight His Word and get strength from it. Preach, Pastor. I want you to look. We're going to open with Matthew 5. We're, again, we're talking about light. And, you know, there's so much Scripture here. Uh to to preach on light, 
that you have to just pick and choose a few to get one message out. But we might talk about more things with light. But it is interesting, isn't it, that God is, as much as God is anything, God is light. And then we have, you know, the different, like literal light, like the light in these bulbs and the light fixtures. But we have the light of the sun. We have, uh, the light of, of, uh, uh, you know, just naturally illuminated things. But there's also a spiritual light, isn't there? And uh, a person, maybe a person who's lost their eyesight, they could be totally legally blind and not be able to even read the word, but they hear the word and the light of God's grace comes upon them. Amen? Anyway, I like this message, this subject, because it blesses me. Whether it helps you or not, I don't know. All right. Matthew, I'm kidding. Matthew 5. Uh, and then verse 13, Jesus is talking here. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its, his savor, wherewith shall uh, it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, we're going to find another place where Jesus said he was the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus, who is the light of the world, says we are the light of the world. Now, I'm going to get to something here on our confession. You are the light of the world, a city that is set out on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle... And put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all them that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise God. So we have some things we've learned here. First of all, Jesus, who is the light of the world, told us we're the light. In other words, we're to be like him in this world. You know, I, I want to be, and I, I sometimes it seems the Lord lets me be this. I want to be the guy that walks into a room where there's grief and weeping and somehow bring a word of comfort. Somehow bring something bright. Somehow bring a spirit of hope. Hallelujah. I want to be the guy that where there's crying, it turns into laughter. Where there's sadness, we find joy. Amen. Where there's, where there's fear, we can get into faith. And, uh, sometimes the Lord has allowed me to be that person. And, uh, I want to continue to grow in that. Amen. And be an encouragement. Don't you? I want to be the encourager. And, uh, I believe, but, but, and I want to be the light that Jesus is talking about here. How about you? We, there's an old song in that red back hymnal there that my grandmother, I can hear her singing it, and it's, let my life be a light shining out through the night. May I lead some, you know, lead some poor soul into the fold or whatever it says. But anyway, praise God, uh, and she, my, my grandmother, she exemplified that. She was a light. 
she was a light in her community all the way till she drew her last breath. And uh, I think people even people were, were even blessed at her funeral because of the things they remembered and things that were said. You know, that's that's who you want to be, isn't it? That person that when the day comes, they have your funeral. They they say nice things about you. <laughs> And that even in death, you're an encouragement. You know, we've, we've had a few funerals like that here in, in this church or not particularly in this building, but from our church and, and even the things that were said about some of our loved ones were an encouragement. Amen. And an uplift. And it's not all gloom and doom. It's not all sad and it shouldn't be. The Bible says that when it comes time to do that, that we weep, but not as those that have no hope. Hallelujah. We weep, but not as those that have no hope. We have hope. We have joy. Amen. Even in death. There's just no losing for the believer. There's just no losing. And say that out loud. I'm a believer and not a doubter. Amen. John 8. Let's see what Jesus said here. Or what is said about Jesus. But you know, I was going to say something about confession. You notice that Jesus said, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. That means we're the preservation. Now, you know, these politicians that talk about the church not being essential, they've obviously lost their, lost grandma's Bible somewhere in the last move. Or they're not reading it. Because uh, the, Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth. You, you eliminate the church, there's no preservation. There's no preserving this world. The church is the preservation. I'd call that essential. <laughs> Amen. And when people have nowhere else to run and nowhere else to turn to for hope, if the church is shut down, where do they go? It's so crazy, isn't it? But um, I, I, I get, um, you know, somebody in some church gets COVID, they all go bananas. And I understand that, not mocking anybody, anything. Please don't write me hate mail. But I'm just telling you that uh, the church in some way has to continue to have a presence and a voice. And maybe we have to rethink how we do church, uh, but nonetheless, it has to be some way. Glory to God. John 8 12. Um, what, um, Jesus spake again unto them. The That was the group gathered around to see if there was going to be a stoning. Says, said, I am the light of the world. Now, so we have Jesus saying that we're the light of the world, and then he's saying he's the light of the world. Maybe we're in the same tribe. What do you think? I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Praise God. We can't go wrong as long as we're following Jesus. I was talking, I was going to say something about confession. All these beautiful things that Jesus has said about us as believers, but then religion has taught us to denigrate ourselves with our confession. 
Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not any longer a sinner. That's like saying I'm an illegal alien with citizenship. Now, which is it? Are you a citizen or an illegal alien? Because you can't be both at the same time. So, well, I'm just a sinner. No, you, we were sinners, but now we're children of light. We're children of God. Hallelujah. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the, and really, here we go with, you know, some grace and righteousness. Really, our confession should never be, well, I'm just a sinner like everybody else. We should never say that because that's the reason Christ came to deliver us from that state of being a sinner into the state of his dear son. Like you moved from Florida to Alabama. Praise God. You're no longer in. You can't be in both places unless you're at the Florabama bar. You can stand. I guess that's right. The line runs through the place somewhere. But uh, that's, you know, for all intents and purposes, you can't be in two places. You can only be in one. And so it, it sounds humble. I know people think they're being humble by saying that, but it's really an affront to God. And it's really a affront to the finished work of Christ. Are we perfect where we will never make another mistake? No. But that's different than saying, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner like everybody else. No, you're not. Well, then get saved. Praise the Lord. We'll lead you in the sinner's prayer to help you find Christ. Because you can't, you, that, that's like saying, I'm sick and I'm healed at the same time. You can't be two things. James said it clearly. He said, let, um, let not the man that's double-minded think he receives anything of the Lord. And yet, you know, it, you know, one of the things about a lot of churches, not just Pentecostal, but a lot of churches, uh, went to the place where they feel afraid to correct anybody's thinking, afraid to thinking, uh, uh, or, or doctrine or, or behavior. And yet we have the word to help us be corrected. Paul told Timothy as a pastor to correct. And now we go, oh, 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 I don't want to say anything to upset anybody. Well, we're not trying to upset anybody, but if the word upsets you, then your problem is with God, not with me. <laughs> Amen? We were in a conference. You can't believe how far this is going. We were in a, a conference um, in the last year and a half, two years, and um supposed to be a word conference and all that. And they were actually talking about the pastor's sermon being put together by a committee. And that the, said, well, the pastor owns the sermon. No, I'm going to have a committee now of uh, uh, mainly millennials to go over his sermon and and uh, help him preach his sermon. And he can't change it. You, I mean, these are seasoned ministers that were promoting this stuff. We we left there just shocked and dismayed. And I thought, well. You know, I'd I'd have to go find another church to pastor. I I couldn't, I couldn't uh, function with that. How do you hear from God and the committee at the same time? Is God on the committee? I just want to know that. Um. Anyway, 
the Bible tells us as ministers to study to show ourselves approved. I hope you're getting something out of this today. We're not children of darkness. We don't need to talk darkness. We need to talk light. Well, the Lord, you never know. He hides things. No, He doesn't. He's not weird like that. You understand? That's your Aunt Eunice that's weird like that. He's not weird. God's out in the open. God, God, you know how out in the open he is? When he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he told Abraham, and he talked about Abraham in this way, he talked about Moses in this way, he said, well, I hide from my servants what I'm going to do. He says, I better tell them. That's how much God, that's in the old covenant. How about the new? Amen. God's not hiding things from you. If he was going to hide things from you, he wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit. Preach, pastor. So religion teaches us to say all kinds of doodads and cliches that have nothing to do with God. But it feels religious to us. It feels like it's a God slot because we've been shoved into that rut so long. You know what a rut is, don't you? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. And so I know for me, and I don't feel sorry for you, because I had to do it too, is I had to, even as a child, I was, I was, you know, force-fed so much religion, so much wrong thinking about God and His will and what He's capable of doing. And we had a, a Calvinist God shoved in there. And we had so much of that that we, you never know what God's going to do. You never know. You never know. You never know. And you're all, you, you, all, you almost want to hide from him because he's, he's, he's like a Doberman. He might lick you and he might bite you. You don't know. And so, and if you have a Doberman, please don't send me hate mail and tell me how lovely your dog is. Okay. So, because you'll get that, you know, you'll get that from Facebook. How dare you curse my dog? Uh, anyway, um, God's not like that. And so I was going to say about, about our adjustment, we have to, we have to correct ourselves with the word and go, I don't care if that's what I was always taught. And I don't mean to be unkind or anything here, but I thought I'd bring up something that's kind of true. There were people taught that um, folks of other colors and races were inferior to them. They were taught that, like generationally taught that and practiced it. How many remember those days? How many remember that was practiced? And, and, and drinking fountains with different you know, groups' names on there and that kind of thing. Well, that just because that's the way Grandma believed and acted doesn't mean it made it right. I have relatives that I love that uh, were great people, but they were racist because they were taught to be. And they went to their grave racist. It doesn't mean they went to hell. Sorry, I know that's probably everybody's supposed to send them to hell now. But 
It's just, it's just, it was the culture. It was what they grew up in. It's all they knew. You understand? Does it make it right is my point. And so I want to try to use that as an illustration about bad preaching and bad believing and bad doctrine just because it's always been there and just because a lot of people practice it doesn't make it right. What makes it right is the word itself. What did Jesus say? What did God say? And Jesus never said to anybody but the Pharisees that you're kind of stinky. It was only the Pharisees that he said that to. Isn't that something? He told them they were hypocrites, snakes, and vipers. He also said they're like dead, they're like the dead people over in the cemetery. On the outside is a beautiful marble, you know, he said, uh, sepulcher. Like a French, like a French grave, you know, it's up on top of the ground. Um, like they, they stack them up six high in New Orleans, you know, on way up. But you see these graves and outside they can be marble and carved and angels and beautiful. But he said on the inside is a problem. Dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said. And he said, so you, you hypocrites, you, you, you Pharisees, that's what you're like. But he never, he never told anybody, get away from me, you stinky sinner. That's not the spirit of Christ. So anyway, we got to believe what Jesus said. I like what Jesus said about us. We're the light of the world. So we're like, we're like walking around like light bulbs with arms and legs. <laughs> Amen. We're bringing light into the situation. And I'll tell you, there's some people, and the Bible tells us about this too, there are some people that love the darkness so much, that's why they don't want to have anything to do with us. And sometimes you'll go to a family reunion or something, and there's so much darkness, and you're the light, and they don't receive it from you, and you and we'll take it personally. They don't want us around. It's not that they don't want us around. They don't want the light around. And if they're in darkness and they want to be in darkness, and they're embracing darkness, then oftentimes it just rubs them the wrong way, as we say. Turn a couple of more scriptures, and I'll let you go, in case you feel tortured in here. Sometimes we hurry to church, and then during church we want to hurry out. Got to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. Now, the reason that became a, a joke in my life is our church, my dad pastored in Augusta, it was a block and a half from the Baptist church. And there was more of them than us. Remember, I asked my dad one time, I said, now, we've got the Church of God here. We've got a beautiful building, the same as the Baptist in fact, ours was a little snazzier, to be honest. And uh, we had better music. Because the Baptists, you know, they had the lady with the glasses with the pearl, and she bangs the hymn out, you know, just straight. And it was okay, but it was just pretty straight. But, you know, we had the Hammond organ, and we had a choir, and folks had clapping their hands, and, you know, some of our convention music that we did get with it, and the preaching was strong. We had healing available and everything, but we also had rules. Um, so my, 
I said to my dad, I said, the Baptist church up the street here has three times the attendance of we, because I, I, as a kid, I researched it and found out what they ran. Said so they're running about, we ran about 350 and they ran about 1200. I said, they're running three times more people than us. And I said, they got the lady with the pearls banging on the piano and we've got, you know, good music and everything moving. I said, what's the, what's the story? And my dad said, well, they just let anybody come to their church. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe they're on to something, you know. The poor women come to our church, they'd get stripped down by the time they got out the door. You know, you got to take the earrings out and wipe the lipstick off and, you know, grow your hair out and, I don't know, all kinds of... We had rules, man. So that kind of did away with the joy of the music, didn't it? It's, just, it's like I can sing happy songs, but i got to look sad. i got to look like the Pentecostal Taliban got a hold of me. Praise God. Ephesians 5. Let's read uh, from verse 1 through 14. And we're talking about being the light. Praise God. Be therefore, oh, uh, uh, that's why we had to beat the Baptists to the cafeteria. Because they're three times the size of us and we're all going to the same cafeteria. The S&S cafeteria. And we've got to get there before the Baptists or they'll, we'll be out the door in the line. That was the deal. Um, so it says here, Ephesians 5, 1, be therefore followers of God, dear, dear children. These are some good instructions, aren't they? Walk in love. Why do you think he felt the need to encourage us to walk in love? You think we might have opportunities where we have to do that? <laughs> I think we might. How many, how many had opportunity to walk in love? <laughs> oh. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints. Is, uh, just a side note here. Isn't it interesting that covetous, covetousness is in the same verse as fornication? It's, it's, it's as frowned upon in the word as fornication. Just thought I'd point that out. Cause, uh, we, maybe we're not all tempted to be fornicators, but you can sure be tempted to be covetous if you're not careful. And you can do, be doing it before you know it. Some, somebody else's success or fortune or blessing starts irritating you. You, you, that's called the temptation to be covetousness. To be covetous, amen. I heard I heard some news the other day of some people that got all kinds of things handed to them, properties, cars, all kinds of stuff, and I, and I, and it was starting to irritate me a little. And I thought, now wait a minute, 
<laughs> you can't go there. I'm just being honest, you know. It was starting to irritate me just to slightly. And then, and I thought, no, that's wrong. We should rejoice with those that rejoice. Amen. Be happy for people. There is a sin of covetousness. And in fact, he says all those three things, fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Dear Lord, a church has got a ways to go, doesn't it? Because, um, you know, we, the short list on fornication from preachers would be a few pages. So that's, that's something's off there. Uh, I think it's because we're not following God. We're following something else. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not uh, convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, how many? No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance, how much? Let's see, none. Hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Well, that's pretty bold. That's from Apostle Paul, Dr. Grace and Dr. Righteousness, Dr. Finished Work. Has, has thrown, thrown down the gauntlet here, hasn't he? I have no idea what a gauntlet is, but that's what you say. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So it sounds like God's wrath might still be available for some things. Be not therefore partakers with them even. Don't, don't, uh, be an enabler. Don't be, don't help them with that. For you were sometimes darkness. See? We used to be darkness, but now we're in the light. We're children of the light. But now are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. And then he says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship, how much? No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reproving them. For it is a shame, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give the light. See then that you walk circumspective, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are 
evil. Amen. So praise God. What what an admonition we have from the Lord to not only follow the Lord and follow light, but to be the light. Let's go finally. This is where how much of the light is in redemption, is in Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection and finished work is the whole thing we're going to live on the rest of our days on this side and the other side. Revelations 22, verse 2, says, In the midst of the street of it, let me see if I got the right thing here. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life which bear twelve manner of fruits and yielded her from uh, fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Now look at this, talking about light. And there shall be no night there, and they need not any candles, neither light of the day. Heaven will be illuminated not by the sun, but by the glory of of God. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, they've told us, scientists and the ones that study the universe, that the sun that that we see today, lighting our way, the sun has a shelf life. They've got it, it's, it's, you know, it's, few billion years down the road, but they've got the sun as it's a star, and it will eventually burn itself out. But think, oh, then what would we do? Well, praise God, the Bible tells us. We've got the light of his glory. Amen? Now think about that. How much light and joy and peace and victory should be? We should never have this melancholy feeling upon us of, oh, man. Oh man, my life, you know, the, the Eeyore, the donkey thing, or Debbie Downer, always bringing up the negative, what could go wrong. What could go wrong, the, the list is, is endless, isn't it? What could go wrong? How about what could go right? How about we talk about that? Um, I had somebody one time say to me, to brought, brought a correction in my life, I used to always, when we were analyzing something, I would say, well, worst case scenario, you know, we're taught that just in our, in our culture. Well, worst case scenario is blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, you become that person. You're, you're the Debbie Downer in the group. You know, you're, or David Downer or whatever, Donald Downer. <laughs> I don't know, something, right? And, uh, you're doing, well, worst case scenario, this will happen. And uh, this friend of mine said, why don't you start saying 
best case scenario, what could happen. And boy, that'll just change the, the whole picture, won't it? Well, best case scenario, like about the church here. Well, what's the, what's the worst case scenario? We don't have any worst case. We don't, we don't make room for a worst case. Best case is that word gets out about what a nice church we have here and people are blessed and folks start coming in and then they bring more folks and they bring more folks and we have a problem where we don't have enough seats. There, there's the best case scenario. Amen. And everybody's blessed and everybody's gets along and it's a glorious time when we meet. Thank you, Lord. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about uh, heaven. Let's talk about prosperity and blessing. Instead of, well, I don't know, if they have to shut things down again, there goes the economy. Don't agree with that. Don't curse the nation. Don't curse the economy. Don't curse the government. You understand? You can curse the Democratic Party. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> no, but we, the Bible says we shouldn't be cursing. We should be blessing. Amen. Lifting up and, and, uh, talking about good things. I hope, I hope you got something out of that today. Anyway, everything about Jesus is light and everything about God is light and in Him there is no darkness. There's not even a shadow of turning. He doesn't even slightly turn and change. He's all light. There's no intrigue. There's no secrets held back so that you fall into a pit. In fact, the Bible tells us that if you see a person about to, uh, the, the, um, um, oh, what is, I, I can't, the word just escaped me. Praise God! Flew off. Um, anyway, the, the unbeliever, the infidel, I started to say the imbecile, but that's, that's not, that would change it, wouldn't it? The, the, <laughs> if you see the imbecile, no, it says the infidel, if you see the infidel, uh, Going to fall into a pit, you don't warn him. Even an infidel, you're worse than an infidel. You see the sinner, it says, the wicked one going, you're worse than an infidel. So if you, if God saw us going into a pit in our life in a direction and he didn't pull back and warn us, he'd be worse than an infidel. And God isn't like that. He shares with us. He'll show you the future. He'll show you things to come. He'll put you on the right path. He'll say, do that business deal, don't do that one. Trust this, don't trust that. You you have to listen to the Spirit, pull back, amen? Sometimes it's move forward, do. So, amen. All right, that's enough preaching. We don't run the batteries out. Who was it you said ran the batteries out? Somebody, Somebody ran the batteries out in the meeting and said it was the anointing. Well, it might just be, you preached too long, buddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. That sounds like a doorbell. All right. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you praise and honor. We thank you for this congregation, those that are with us and those that aren't here yet. We thank you, Lord, for them. And we give you praise, those that are watching by Internet. 
I'll tell you, I'll pray this for you. If you need healing, to just put your hand where you have a need, and I'll speak the word in Jesus' name. I command sickness and disease to leave bodies. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, laying legs to walk, cancers and tumors to dry up and disappear, those with all kinds of ailments and deficiencies, uh, in Jesus' name, be healed. In uh, those with mental illness or with, uh, uh, you know, anxiety problems, in Jesus' name, be healed. Be whole, in Jesus' name, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I speak a word of prosperity and blessing over this congregation and over those that are watching. In Jesus' name, amen.